Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Hui Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York. And I'm joined by my two co-hosts. I am Anya Crittenden, a writer at Gay Star News. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. All right, guys, it is that time of year. Once again, award season is wrapping up as we look forward to the Oscars, which are happening a week are we from looking today. looking forward to them, really, though? All right, we're, okay, we're going to get into that, Willoughby. Hold on, let me do my intro. Sorry. The Oscars <laughs> are happening a week from today, and uh, this episode we're going to be talking about what the Oscars this year... Uh, what it looks like. Um, we're going to be talking about the nominees and who we want to win, the snubs, how that is shaking out, as well as the format of the show this year, which has undergone many changes and reversal decisions, and why this year feels like a different Oscar season and why we're not as excited as we normally are for the Oscars. So we're going to start off first by talking about the nominees and who's up, who we want to win, and all the controversies that, have going, that are going along with this year's nominees. All right, first I'm going to read off the Best Picture nominees. So for Best Picture, we have eight nominees this year. Bohemian Rhapsody. Could have been ten. The Favorite, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Green Book, Vice, A Star is Born, and Roma. And then I'm just going to go with... So we really, we really only have six nominees if you really think about it. <laughs> Because two of them really True shouldn't that. be there. And uh, uh, we are talking about Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book. Um, two movies that I admittedly have not yet seen out of principle. Me neither. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody, as you know, was directed by Brian Singer, although they will not be advertising that. Uh, and Brian Singer recently uh, had uh, allegations come out against him regarding sexual assault uh, against several young boys. And um, he's just not... He also was fired halfway through the film. So this is a film that was kind of done without a director. Um, right, and, like, wasn't he fired... He was he was fired just because he he was, like, not coming to set, yeah, he was right? Not like, it wasn't because set. of yeah. the sexual allegations? No, it was different. Like, it, he was just not being a good director. He was... He's has a history of being a bad director, just, like, not showing up to set. Yeah. But he did... Ha- like leave the set or like just not show up for several days but it resulted in being fired right before rumors of the Esquire report uh, started to right. come about um, and uh, that's the we'll, we'll go into the rest of the reasons why later and then Green Book is the uh, film directed by Peter Farrelly um, that has is basically this generation's uh, Driving Miss Daisy uh, it's kind of the the black the black story told through a white perspective, and that's kind of one, the root of uh, why it this has many problems. Written by, it was written by Viggo Mortensen's character's son, who's like a Sopranos actor, who is also like not a great person. He supported Trump's like uh, claim that he saw Muslims celebrating after 9/11. He wrote that in a tweet in like 2015, and uh, after that was after that surfaced, he quickly deleted his Twitter. Um, and as well as Peter Farrelly, there were like it wasn't even like a story, but it was still a story that should have been reported that like he used to whip his dick out to people yeah, as a quote joke, to, like sexually harass women. 
Um, and he admitted to this. Like, he said he right. did this, and he now regrets it, which, whatever. But you were an adult somehow, did that. Somehow that didn't stop. For some reason, Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book have these, like, stories about the people who made them, and yet, like, have, have like, trailed forward in the award season, which, honestly... When I saw Green Book, the, no, when I saw the trailer for Green Book, I thought, oh, well, that's like a movie that's that will not be talked about after it comes in theaters. Like, I thought it was going to be like, you know, like one of those movies that just kind of like goes on by. No one ever talks about it again. And I'm like, why is this movie like everywhere? Yeah, the only win I'll be OK with with Green Book is Mahershala Ali. And that's because he could film himself like watching paint dry. And I'd be like, he deserves an Oscar because he's that great but otherwise yeah so let's talk about why these controversies around these two movies in particular which are both considered especially bohemian rhapsody considered front runners in this race um why these controversies are different than past controversies with the oscars we've seen before that there's been the typical oscars backlash against films that don't necessarily handle race well or aren't quite the movie that are that's like the best for the times um so and um that the reason like let's talk about that Anya (laughs) can you uh give us a brief summation of just like why for you personally these two movies being in this race and being like favorites to win have uh gotten you a little down for this year's Oscar season yeah yeah I mean so like both of you I have not seen either of these movies um and we should just say that up front um And I know that some people will say that means we're not qualified to talk on them, but there are reasons I will not see them. Um, And for Bohemian Rhapsody, it is, it's partially Brian Singer. Um, I have no interest in supporting um, a sexual predator uh, and a sexual abuser uh, in his movies. Further, I have seen the misogyny of his past movies. So I didn't like him to begin with as a director. And I have no interest in seeing his depiction of Freddie Mercury, who is a queer icon. Um, and again, I haven't seen it, so I can't speak for myself for the content, but queer voices, uh, queer writers that I respect their impressions of this movie and the fact that it does not treat Freddie Mercury's identity as a bisexual man with any respect or nuance or, you know, understanding or exploration just makes me wholly uninterested in it because, you know, queer representation is important to me and Freddie Mercury is one of those icons that is he's one of the best known queer icons and to have a movie about him and not explore that and not celebrate that just it it just really bothers me and so I have no interest um and Green Book similarly like Peter Fairley you know he was one of brothers who wrote like who did like Shallow Howl and stuff so I I know I know a sensibility and I have no interest in what that means for a like magical Negro story of like teaching the white man about race relations and racism in the South. Um, and the fact that um, the artist Don Shirley, Shirley. Yeah. yeah, Don Shirley, his family didn't, does not approve of this film. And they said that he didn't want a biopic made of him. And so that is a enough for me to say this movie isn't like sanctioned it's not it's not told by black voices and so you know i'm 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 done with that i'm at a point 
with media where there is so much of it and there is really great media that I can see things like this and say, this is not worth it. This is not authentic storytelling. This is not respectable storytelling. And my time is more precious than that. And there are stories out there that deserve my attention more. So we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast in that uh, the controversies around this Oscar race feel just a little bit more crushing than past years. Even last year with three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, getting becoming a frontrunner despite its really problematic handling of race and uh, cop um, and police brutality, uh, that one felt less just overwhelming than this year's where like like every year I feel I always feel obligated to watch all the best picture nominees and I always enjoy watching them and comparing them and having a nuanced and like uh, a good discussion about all these films and what they bring to the table and this year I just like because of these two films and like the baggage that they come with I just haven't I haven't seen all of them. I haven't felt a need to see all of them. And it's kind of taken me out of the excitement of the Oscar race, which I know a lot of film, like critics and film lovers hate because they hate just kind of putting um, some sort of subjective um, measure of how good a film is based on like how many awards it gets. But for me, I kind of really enjoy the Oscar race because I think that it is, it's about celebrating movies. And here, Agreed. I feel like this year isn't quite like that. The motion like, pictures. Yeah, I really miss... Even the year when Moonlight and La La Land had their big, like, you know, battle in which people had some really it's, interesting it's things to say about La La Land. And, like, back then it felt like everyone was kind of very touchy about, like, it's how people were t- approaching, like, its approach to race and everything. But even then, like, that was more fun. And I miss those days and, like, just the yeah, going I, on this year. The, the Moonlight... The Moonlight versus La La Land debate now just seems like a fun story we will tell our children. Like, I remember the days of the Oscars when it was when it was Moonlight versus La La Land. And the worst thing that happened was that Ryan Gosling saved jazz in the 21st century. Exactly. Well, and, and now it's like, now, Grandpa, there's eight nominees that have very, very bad race relations in it. It's like, I know. Well, and it's like, you know, this year, with like, like with Bohemian Rhapsody and the allegations against Brian Singer, which we should say have been around for years. Yeah, it's an you know, open secret piece, in Hollywood. Yeah, the Atlantic piece was kind of the first big, like, in-depth expose, like, investigative reporting of it. But we, there have been these allegations for years. And, like, we have an award season where, like, its main star, Rami Malek, is saying that he didn't know about these because Freddie Mercury didn't want him to know like the, the ghost bizarre. of Freddie Mercury told him to take it. <laughs> it's that's just, what he's a, saying. I it's feel like a that's a, just a bad PR move because the marketing or the Oscar campaign people around him are like, you should just try to distance yourself from Brian Singer as much as possible. But there have been reports that he, that Rami Malek and Brian Singer didn't get along on set and they should have doubled down on that because that would have at least put him, put Rami Malek on like the side of sympathy. Like, yeah, he didn't get along with him. And also he's like, because he's a bad person and also a pedophile, so. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, there were ways to uh, to do this, to do the PR for this, and they did not do it the right way. And it just makes for an award season that is that is crushing, as you said, because it's not, like, jokes about Ryan Gosling saving jazz. It's about real allegations of real victims yeah. who have been harmed by this man. And when you think about that suddenly the oscars become you know less about like the the glitz and glamour of 
and night celebrating movies, which is why I still love them as UHT. Like I get the Oscar the be all end all, but I still think it's a fun night. But this really does kind of change, you know, the dynamic of this year. It's a weird thing to go from last year's award ceremony, which was like right after the Harvey Weinstein shit and like me too. And time's up was happening. And like, and every, every person who was like, you know, like was like getting, uh, like outed as a sexual, uh, as a sexual assault assaulter. And they were like, quote unquote canceled. And now this is this weird, almost, I wouldn't call it a backlash, but almost like, these it's like it didn't take it didn't sit like the the like the like these allegations are still they're still happening and they're still coming forward but these people aren't getting like like written out of movies and like their movies aren't being reshot or like just canceled like when i remember louis ck had a movie coming out last year or like and then like his like the week before the premiere of his movie those allegations dropped and that movie was like never to be seen from again but yeah the same thing happened with bohemian rhapsody in, ter- in terms of like the atlantic piece came out but they're still like trudging forward with it as an awards piece instead of like shelving it for eternity it so feels... like it's this weird you like know what it reminds me uh, of it reminds hollywood's me... like we're we're done with me too we're gonna go yeah. back to normal it reminds me of what happened after obama's presidency in which you know, the America was like, we've done our part. We've solved racism. And now we're going to go back to this traditional make America great again. It's a backlash to yeah. that because last year was so great for diversity, for progress. We had Greta Gerwig ad, nominated for director. We had Guillermo del Toro win best director, the, he, which was like the third Mexican director in a row. Our second, Jordan Peele. Nom- Jordan Peele was one for best screenwriter. We had films like Get Out, Lady Bird, Shape of Water, all front runners for best yeah, picture. I mean, and Shape of Water winning. I mean, regardless of people want to make fun of the movie for calling it like the fish fucking movie, whatever. Like it was my favorite film of that year, and I mean, it really is about like outsiders overcoming, you know, the bigotry of uh, like scary white man in power, like. Mm-hmm. You know, Guillermo del Toro's movie. But is... now those scary white men are back. We yeah, are and it's like, and Shape of Water came directly after Moonlight winning Best Picture. So yeah. it was like we had these years of saying like, yes, we are finally recognizing these voices and recognizing these films. And now this year, it's not like there's no diversity this year. Um, I mean, Alfonso Cuarón is you know a front runner with Roma, um, and we have some really great like women up for their roles in movies and we we do have some genuinely good queer representation like the favorite is wonderful Mm -hmm. um i actually really like vice's handling of dick cheney's daughter coming out um and how they handled all that so like it's not like it doesn't exist it's just that we have things like bohemian rhapsody which become very glaring problems and really take away from it and we still we don't have any female directors nominated this year when there were so many great movies directed by women last year. Yes. And it's, you know, it really does feel like now it's like the token representation again. Like they feel like they like tossed some people like nominations as like, all right, representation quota. Yeah. But they don't actually. The Academy was like, we did our part last year. Don't you guys want to go back to 1955 again? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I will say, 
to kind of pivot a little bit, there are some nominees that are wonderful this year Ooh. that are great. Yes, uh, My, Spike Lee got his first Oscar nomination for Best Director. First. Very first. Which is crazy. And Black Klansman is a great film. And so I'm very excited for that. Um, my favorite film of last year was The Favorite, which, you know, is not for everyone, but it's a very dark comedy period piece and it's about queer women. And I love it. Um, I don't think it's going to win much, but I'm excited it's nominated. Um, and I'm really excited about the Best act- Actress race this year. It's like mm-hmm. the only race I'm like super invested in because right now the front runners are Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman. And I think both of their performances are wonderful. Glenn Close and The Wife is remarkable. She is wonderful in that film. Um, and while I'm rooting a little bit more for Olivia Coleman, I will be happy either way. Because um, they are just women who have worked very hard in this industry and, you know, really deserve this. And, you know, so there are there are some, but it just feels like the crushing weight of these controversies takes away a little bit from my excitement. Um, are there any nominees you guys are excited about to kind of put a more positive spin? I'm actually, yeah. this is one, a movie I actually haven't seen yet, but I'm intrigued by all the nominations for Cold War, which so good, surprisingly AT. swept not only uh, Best Director, but, and like the Best Foreign Picture, but like also the Best Director. It had several other nominations, I think in the, um, some acting category. It got cinematography. Cinematography. Um, it is a wonderful, beautiful film. Also, less than 90 minutes. Ooh. Hell yeah. I'm really hoping that if Roma takes Best Picture, that means they won't want to give Best Foreign Language to Roma and Cold War can get Best Foreign Language because it's so good. But, uh, yeah. That's I want... All those shoplifters I want... should... I, shoplifters oh, my favorite true. movie I of, of 2018. And so I do want to see shoplifters. Yeah, I think okay, that's my no, number one you're right. You're right. Otherwise, I want to see Shoplifters. Yeah, so. exactly. You're right. I would like Best Picture to go to Black Klansman and Best Director to go to Alfonso Cuaron because I feel like I my my feelings for Black Klansman are it's like greater than the sum of its parts, and I'd say like some of it's a little like shaggy with it with the directing, but I would I would really want um, Alfonso Cuaron to to get director because I feel like that movie is impeccably directed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he always like knocks it out of the park, and it would be great because, um, you know, you can't have two best picture nomination wins, so it would be cool to like see that split happen. Um, and I would really want Cold War to win cinematography because uh, it just I haven't seen it, but it, what I've seen of it on like the internet, like watching the trailer and stuff, it looks beautiful. So beautiful. And uh, I want uh, Ludwig Göransson to win. Uh, original score for black panther because i've be been following him for a while and it's really exciting to see him actually get oscar nominations I you know mean, who I... you know what he did he was the uh he scored community and new girl and now he's what? scoring creed and black wow panther. that's a big leap like guy and that's ryan coogler and him got together and made i think he might have done Creed might have been his first movie oh. picture score. Creed has a great um, score. And that, which is amazing. And then um, uh, he is now doing, he did the Black Panther score. He did Creed 2. Uh, here's a, a fun inside bit for 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 me. Um, so my friends in college have a, quote, progressive rap group. And a lot of their backing tracks were sampled from Ludwig songs. And were Ludwig they? also... 
a producer. Yeah. OHT. We have some things to talk about Marisa Tot Coffee and Ludwig. Um, and uh, Ludwig also did the, um, he produced Childish Gambino's Camp, as well as, I believe, uh, his later uh, albums as well. Like, he's a big, uh, uh, like, co-worker with uh, Donald Glover. So, like, I want him to, like, win all, all the awards because I think his music is fantastic. That would be amazing. I really think, like, the the best best, best picture win would be Black Panther. It will never happen, but I think that would honestly be the most exciting can you imagine Black Panther winning Best Picture and Spider-Verse winning Best Animated Picture? Oh and then God. Spike Lee winning Director. Yeah. Honestly, Black Panther is my Dark Horse favorite to win Best Picture. Same. Yeah. Because while it's I... It's sort of like I, how we all wanted... We, we wanted Fury Road to win, even though we probably knew it wasn't going to happen. Okay. Um, like, we all wanted that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think that we... we uh, Black Panther would be like a really fun, surprising twist, but I would be, uh, I'd just be happy. Um, How do you guys think this picture is going to shake out? Because I, it's, it's, I feel like I can usually predict at least like the two front runners, but this year it feels like, I mean, I guess Roma is the front runner right now, Mm -hmm. but I, I wonder about vote splitting this year, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you guys think for best picture? I, I think it is kind well, of split right now between Bohemian Rhapsody and Roma, but Roma does have the um, the ops, well, the an disadvantage of being split between foreign language and uh, yeah. picture. So it's a toss-up. I would prefer if Roma swept everywhere, but if Roma does get split and uh, there's enough of a campaign against Bohemian Rhapsody, I want Black Panther to get up in there Right like, to just take like that, yeah, take that exactly. spot. Exactly, like, that would be amazing. Yes, I I want Black Panther to win, knowing that it probably won't. But I, uh, my my true like hope is that um, Black Klansman gets it because I think that that movie is important. Yeah, I mean, as long as I feel like I would be, um, I'll 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 say right now um, that like I really enjoyed Roma, but it was. I have some conflicting feelings about it because I don't love Alfonso Cuaron's uh, depictment of female pain. Mm. And this is a problem I've had with him as a director for a while. Um, but it's a beautiful film. Um, and I think, you know, very personal. And so even with those kind of conflicting feelings, like I would, I would be very happy to see it win best picture. And just as long as Green Book or Bohemian Rhapsody, you don't pull it out. Like, I do not need another crash. Like for I'm those still, the ones that want it, I'm go still ahead. upset about Brokeback Mountain. I'm still upset. It that would actually, their best picture. You know, it actually would be quite poetic if Black Klansman won, as uh, Willoughby has been uh, supporting, because uh, when Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture, do, it was a uh, controversial that Do the Right Thing like didn't even get a nomination. So it would be kind of Which poetic is justice. Bagley's best film yes. and brilliant and it should have so yeah i'm i'm black panther or black Klansman. i'd just be like it would feel kind of like a a resistance move to the to the oscars mm-hmm. and like saying like all this has happened this season is controversies and these nominations but you know we still have the say in who wins and we're going to kind of reject everything that's happened and put forth these movies i think that's the idealist and the optimist talking in me but 
I would love to see it happen. I would not mind seeing a split and having one of those dark horses. Leap. The favorite. You know what we <laughs> haven't talked about? I mean, you know, the favorite, you know movie. But... You know what movie we haven't talked about at all? I just want to take another look at you. We haven't talked about A Star you know, is Born. That like, that, that's so the interesting. Seat, like, the, the That film's arc from being the like accepted, widely accepted run. best picture frontrunner to just being kind of forgotten. And it's a little sad because, sort you know, like, it's oh, not I a bad Lady movie. Gaga's it's gonna... a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. I mean, I think like, the only Oscar is going to win for Shallow. I would say the only Oscar it's probably going to take home is Shallow, mm-hmm. his best original song, um, which is great. Then Lady Gaga will get her Oscar, which I think is amazing. I'm actually um, rooting for Bradley Cooper with best actor. Yeah, oh, I'm... Be Coops! I know, I'm I'm happy with him or Christian Bale, because mm-hmm. um, I think they both gave phenomenal performances. Um, but it's, it's kind of a shame that it's... Because Bradley Cooper, I mean, especially with the director snub, mm-hmm. like... He gives a really good performance in that he film. He does. And it's a very personal really one, too, because it's basically him working through his own demons with alcoholism. And you can tell that with in the film. Um, and it's, I think... It's iron. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I would also like to give a just a little quiet shout-out to both um, Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant, who both got performance nominations for their performances in Can You Ever Forgive Me? Um, which is a really wonderful film directed by a woman, Mariel Heller. Um, and it's a great film. And both their characters, true life people, um, both queer or both gay, probably. Um, they probably would have identified that way. And so, like, I'm just I'm happy they got recognized because they're both very good in that film. They have no chance in hell of winning, but I'm very happy they got recognized. I have yet to see Can You Ever Forgive Me? But though I hear amazing things about it. But it's I want, great. I actually am kind of rooting for Richard E. Grant to win because it would be so adorable. Have you seen his excitement leading up to the Oscars? He's just so yes. happy to be there. Did you see his little story with Barbara Streisand? I didn't. Oh, my God. Oh, my see, gosh. It's like sent... in moments like these and like in like people with like Richard E. Grant who are just enjoying the ride that I remember that why I enjoy and the And I Oscars. mean like Justice for Spice World. Because he was Sorry, what? Spice... Richard E. Grant was in Spice World. Was he? Yes. The, the the Spice Girls movie? Yes, yes he was. That's was, hilarious. Was he one of the Spice Girls? Wait, what is he no. what is he doing? What? <laughs> yeah, he was in Spice World. Was he like like their manager? Um yeah, he worked with oh, the band. Was he was he playing Richard E. Grant or like No, he no, playing? he was playing like a fictional like they were playing themselves, but he was a fictional character. Who like worked with okay. the band? Um, he was he was young and it was great. Um, and so everyone's like the Spice World actor wins. Um, but he's also like great. And can you forgive me? So he deserves it. Um, but I agree, HD, because he's just so lovely, and you know he's enjoying the ride. Um, so recently there's a story that he wrote a letter to Barbara Streisand when he was 14 years old, Aww. talking about how she like inspired him. And only just recently she like sent a message back to him, and his daughter like captured him the moment he like realizes he got a response back from Barbara Streisand, like this year as an adult. And he like started crying and his daughter like got pictures of him and stuff. And it's the purest thing. And I'm like, can he win just so we can have some like genuine goodness at this Oscars? It would be like when Guillermo del Toro won and he was just the happiest, sweetest person. And he just is. Yeah. And because and like that's that's those are moments like that when I really enjoy the Oscars because it's people who deserve to win and who really appreciate that success. 
<sighs> so yeah, I need to Agreed. I need to check out Can You Ever Forgive Me? I see, even like this year, mm. I haven't even seen the movies that I want to see, which is kind of unfortunate. I don't know why that's happened. I've just been like super busy. It's, it's what do you guys good. think should win screenplays? The screenplay nominations. The what are your thoughts on those? The oh, I was gonna say first performed, but that's me. I mean, I loved First Reformed um, and uh, Justice for Ethan Hawke and his snub. Yes. But the favorite is, I think the favorite, well, did the, did the Lobster win? No, I think it just got a nomination. I think, I think the favorite for me is like both, he, it deserves it. But I think it's also like, it's time we recognize Yorgos Lanthimos and his. Did he write it? I thought it was he by someone it. else. Yeah, he wrote it. Wow. No, I, I think the favorite too because while I I really liked First Reformed, I think that the majority the, of the reason that film worked was because of Ethan Hawke's performance. Agreed. And the and the script itself was kind of a regurgitation of some of ta- his Taxi Driver monologues. It felt like, <laughs> but yeah. or Paul Schrader's Taxi Driver monologues. But um, the favorite is so caustic and witty and funny and just like pitch black and just so well done that it's I think that it's like the the clear like deserved front runner and winner for um best screenplay. Yeah. And so, yes, will be. I was uh so I I could have sworn it was written by someone else and I looked it up. It's written by Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara. Oh. Wait, the favorite? The favorite. It's oh. only directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Oh. Well then I take back what I said. However, I still think it deserves the win. Oh yeah. Like I I don't yeah, wanna like a- I don't wanna like put take the wind out of your sails but, but no uh, no I yeah i mean mix. i do i do want to see yorgos lanthimos get recognized because he's brilliant um but okay well yeah but also i mean like hello like a female screenwriter yeah um, um and i mean like ht was saying i mean the script itself is still brilliant and yorgos mm-hmm. obviously directed it beautifully mm-hmm. um as he does all his films I'm a big stan of yorgos lanthimos um Yorgi but yeah, boy. no, it's it's a wonderful film. Pardon? I just said Yorgi Boy. <laughs> Yorgi Boy. Yorgi yes. Bear. Um, Yorgi Bear. Which speaking Justice of for Paddington. Justice for Paddington. Do Justice we want to get into our snubs, guys? The ones that we are the most um uh, that are the most egregious to us. Paddington, first of all. Paddington. Um, I'm like there are two extra spots in Best Picture this year. You're telling me yeah, Paddington, Paddington and Spider-Verse. Paddington and Spider-Verse. If Beale Street Could Talk, one of the best movies of the year. So I want beautiful. I so adapted stunning. screenplay. Yeah, yes, but that, agreed. It, it got shot out of all other categories, and that's a oh, travesty to me. Like, especially cinematography. That movie is one of the most beautifully and shot score. films. And score. Oh, my God. The score just, like, washed if over Beale me. If Beale Street Could Talk, it oh was, that movie was so beautiful. It, it. It really, it really hit so hard. I talked about it before, and I really like, but mm-hmm. I agree, HT. That movie deserved so much more. It's so sumptuous. Um, it's so just overwhelmingly empathetic and yes. beautifully. Like every aspect of it is just—it's kind of a perfect movie. It—it it actually is a perfect movie. I agree. And I almost think, like it should have been nominated for all eleven Oscars. It should have been. It should have had been like one of the most nominated films of this year. And somehow it just kind of fell by the wayside. I think it's just as good, if not better, than Moonlight. Honestly, it's a movie that hit me harder than Moonlight. Um, yeah. Despite loving Moonlight, I just like—I think that if Beale Street could talk, really just 
not only told this really wonderful tragic love story but also was able to touch on these issues of um so, uh, like criminal justice and everything without being too heavy-handed on it and like still telling this really poignant story i love if Beale street could talk and i'm just so sad it Same. did not make it on there Same. i think my biggest snub is kind of like a, a theme of just like the lack of recognition of female voices and mm-hmm. female stories mm-hmm. um you know, no female directors, even though we had people like Lynn Ramsey, Marie, Marielle Heller. You know how I feel about Lynn like, Ramsey. I, I do. And we had so many great directors. Um, and I think for me, it is, um, it becomes very clear with the tale, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the best films of last year by far. Um, and I don't know if it's just because it was an HBO film that people were just kind of like, they brushed it off. And it's unfortunate but, too, because it was made as a feature film. And it could have mm-hmm. gotten theatrical distribution because it yep. premiered at Sundance and got tons of rave reviews there, but no one picked it up except for because HBO. Because snatched because it. of what it's about. Yes. It's a and, very difficult um, and, topic. But it's brilliant. I mean, I think it should have gotten a directing nod. I think Laura Dern deserved a nomination. It deserved a Best Picture nomination. It is, it is a movie... It is the movie about the memory of female pain that... Um, that has some similarities to Roma in that way mm-hmm. of like recalling that life. Um, except the tale just kind of, it hit me so much harder. And the fact that it goes completely unrecognized, it kind of shows this, this general um, dismissal and uh, lack of recognition for female voices, female pain and, you know, our contributions to storytelling. And I think that's my biggest. I would actually like to to plug a piece I wrote following the Oscar nomination announcements in which I railed against the lack of nominations for female directors and, and like, women in many categories, honestly. Uh, and so it's just... Um, very unfortunate this year because we had Greta Gerwig last year who made a big splash with her debut with Lady Bird and so many good female directors this year Lynn Ramsey like you said Jennifer Fox for The Tale Deborah Granick who directed Leave No Trace one of my favorite movies and um, Marielle Heller who was the who honestly had the biggest shot because Can You Ever Forgive Me had quite a few nominations more than I anticipated um, not just in the actor realm but in I think um, screenplay as well that's adapted screenplay and um, that one felt like it could have Mary Heller could have easily squeezed into the best director uh, category which instead has um, you know some like strong directors but at least Peter Farrelly didn't make it in there thank gosh but um I don't know. I, I just, I don't. So I'm not a huge fan of Vice uh, as as opposed to Anya. I don't think Adam McKay deserves a spot in the best director category because I feel I like would, I would that film that is basically wholly Vice. undirected. It's just kind of a good actor vehicle and it's such sloppy editing. So the Bush years were bad. No, I, I agree. I don't, I would have happily given Marielle Heller um, his spot. Mm-hmm. Like, like I liked Vice, um, but I think instead of, instead of liking it as like a, an Oscar contender movie. I just liked it as a hit piece on Cheney. Like I was just happy to watch two hours of Cheney getting dragged because he's a monster. And so like, I was just the only nomination I think it truly deserves is Christian Bale because his performance is fantastic. But otherwise I'm kind of like, I was entertained. Mm -hmm. I liked it. 
anything that drags Dick Cheney is fine by me. I do um, want to add but... one more shout out to another snub that I think is very um, egregious, and that is Burning for Foreign Language. Uh, another of my favorite movies of the year is directed by... Um, Oh, shoot. Hold on. I'm looking up the director. I think it's Lee, Lee Chang-dong. It is Lee Chang-dong. Ooh, I'm good. Good job. Um, it's directed by Lee Chang-dong, and it was the the contender for South Korea's first Oscar nomination in its entire history. It's not, never been nominated for an Oscar. And uh, Burning seemed like the closest bet. It's such a great film. It's such a tantalizing movie and um it unfortunately did not get a nomination but i also haven't seen uh, many of the other foreign language films except for roma really and shoplifters which i'm which is my favorite movie of the year i would very happy for it to win but i'm still a little bit bummed about burning and may say i'm a a little incensed (gasps) whoa (laughs) so willoughby um do you have any snubs that you are particularly um infuriated by Oh, I have, you guys, you guys are much more like, uh, you, you guys have talked about ones that you're very passionate about and I have similar feelings about that. Um, but the one that I'm mad about that should have been nom- at least nominated, uh, is the Mr. Rogers documentary. Won't you be my neighbor? Uh-huh. The fact that that wasn't nominated is a travesty and should go down in history as one of the worst decisions the Oscars have ever made. Um, that because so confusing to me it because is a brilliant, it's, it's was a front runner. Mm-hmm. It was it was considered right. a front runner. Right. It's such a powerful moving documentary that like the last 40 minutes of the movie I was just bawling my eyes out because I'm and I never I didn't even re- I watched Mr. Rogers as a kid but I don't remember ha- having a lot of strong feelings about loving Mr. Rogers like I would say like for like Nickelodeon shows because I really was more of a cable guy than like public access but I do remember like sitting down and watching it at like 2 p.m. and like I vaguely remember like a lot of the things about it and like when they brought up like Daniel Tiger and him being like like just part of like the whole thing with his like part of his personality yeah. and you know and like I just started bawling my eyes out and like the whole, like when he came back and did those like nine post nine 11 specials and I'm just like, Oh Jesus Christ. Um, I, I will say that there is a movie on the documentary list that I also wanted to win that I was very glad that it was nominated, which is minding the gap um, directed by Bing Liu. I thought that movie is gorgeously shot, gorgeously directed about these uh, three kids who are just trying to break break out of a cycle of violence and poverty and become better than their parents and their the the places they're from and i just thought that movie i really hope wins best documentary but if if mr rogers was um nominated that would be my front runner for best documentary what do you guys think of mining the gap i I, love mining the gap it's my favorite documentary of the year i'm so glad it uh, it's nominated. I mean, I'm really happy RBG got nominated too. I think RBG is a great yeah. documentary. I don't think it like I don't think RBG like did anything particularly interesting or kind of provided any commentary we didn't already have on Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right. um, which is fine. Um, it's still a really great, well-made documentary and about a person who is very important and we do deserve to know more of her life because um, she's remarkable. But I feel like Minding the Gap, I would like to see that one win. 
Um, yeah. It, it does it does so much more and it reveals kind of a story that people didn't know about. Um, but I agree that Won't You Be My Neighbor absolutely got snubbed. Um, I feel like similar to RBG, it is it is mostly a celebration of Mr. Rogers, but unlike RBG, I feel like it it has a commentary that RBG didn't have mm-hmm. um, about uh, kind of his larger contributions and his larger impact on things. Um, and it's interesting because it reminds me of our discussion as a group about like best animated film and how animated films are not just for children and how children are capable of thinking of so much more than we give them credit for. And like, I knew that. Mm-hmm. And the movie really highlights that. And I think it just, it's a shame that it didn't get nominated because it, what it says is so poignant. So, agreed. Yeah, I, I'm very confused, honestly, by its lack of a nomination because I remember for a while people were considering it to be the front runner to win the best documentary category. It's on like a lot of people's top 10 lists and yeah. just in terms of like movies they love, like it's on my top 10 list. Yeah. Same on mine. I don't know it's what happened, shame. but yeah. Um, I know. Uh, I well, think... speaking of what happened, <gasps> I think we should talk about what happened with this year's show. Oh, Yes. Because it's gone through many changes. We haven't seen it yet, so we can't um, say whether or not it will. Though, I do want to give one last shout out to another snub that I think is really unfortunate. Uh, I was trying to have a really cool segue. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just wanted to do this before. (laughs) No, you're good. You finish your segue. I didn't want to take you off. Eighth grade got completely shut out of the Oscars. And that was unfortunate to me because. I remember. I think for me, like it was so so, so powerful and such and so um, uh, nuanced as like as Lady Bird was last year. And I don't really know why I didn't get as much traction. Like Bo Burnham should have gotten a Best Director nomination. Uh, Elsie Fisher should have gotten a Best Actress nomination. Uh, potentially screenplay think, as well. I think I, I think I know why. I think it's because the Academy isn't recognizing horror yet as a <laughs> genre um, for nominated. <laughs> Damn it, Willoughby. <laughs> yeah, the Academy <laughs> has a lot of problems. And wow, speaking of the Academy's problems, Anya. Oh, nice, H.E. You saved it. You saved it. Um, so the Academy's problems um, do not end with the controversies around its nomination. It is also about its show, which hasn't aired yet, so we don't know how it will go. Um, but among the decisions and reversal of decisions, we have Kevin Hart announced as Oscar host, but then his homophobic tweets came back to haunt him. He was removed as host. Now there is no host. Uh, they announced that four of the categories were going to be aired during commercial time, and then their speeches were kind of going to be like condensed and packaged together to air later in the show. Um, that is no longer happening because there was a giant outcry. I think rightfully so. Um, you can't have movies without cinematography and editing. Literally, those are the only two things you need to make a moving picture. Yeah. And then there was also, I think they were going to have only two of the best song performances. And then there was an outcry about... Yeah. HT, you're shaking your finger at me. Oh, no. I was just shaking my finger at that decision. Not oh, you. oh, I was like, am I wrong? Mm-mm. No, um, uh, no, don't worry. And it was, again, it was kind of one of those things of like, do the other nominees matter less, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But now that has been changed and all of them are going to get to perform. And so 
And then, of course, Best Popular Film, which we all know was just so they could nominate Black Panther. And then there was an outcry about that. And then they felt pressured to give Black Panther the Best Picture nomination, too. And I'm like, yeah, because that's where it deserves to be. Mm-hmm. Just because it's a superhero film doesn't mean it's not Best Picture worthy. So the, the thing Academy about... has been a mess. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about Best Popular Film is that when they rescinded it, they said we'll probably still like, like, like tweak it and put it in in like later, uh, like 2020 or whatever. And I'm like, no, just stop it. Just don't do it at all. But the other ones that they've reversed, they've like, I think they've like single handedly just said like, we're just, we're we're taking it back. We're, we're going to do all four. We're going to do all the different um, nominations. And they always cite like a reason for time to like for yeah. like these changes. But what I'm saying is that push it up forward the super bowl starts at 6 30 and goes on for like four hours you could do the same thing the with the is... oscars it'll be 2 p.m in la but it'll be you know a decent time in the east coast so that the east coasters like myself can go to bed at a decent time and wake up and ready to talk about what happened the oscars the next day without feeling overtired because you know in LA, you guys get you get done around what, like eight thirty? Is that yeah. when the Oscars are usually done? Yeah. They could do some. They could do sort of, uh, you know, a compromise and have the Oscars start like at seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time, four p.m. West Coast time, and then just you know have it done before we all go to bed. Like I think that's a better I think version. That's of a it. compromise. I think there's also just like there are other just inane moments that they could cut. That mm-hmm. we don't need, like you don't I need every single montage. Like a symbolic thing. Oh no, I'm I'm despite what people say, I, I also like the montages. So I'm with you. Little montages little. are um, good, but I'm like, I get you. I need to like. I get. I guess you have to show the accountant it's symbolic or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But like I you think don't it's legally required. Is it, okay, it, it might well, be whatever. because like they tally the votes, but I hate the bits that they try to do every year with it. Like that one year where they brought out the little Asian uh, kids to stand for the accountants was not just a bad, bad bit, but insulting and offensive. Well, I mean, you remember, was it last year where they like went over across the street to like the other theater? Yeah. I don't think that was an accountant's that bit. That was an I accountant think, bit. Was no, 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 I know. No, no, I know. But I'm saying like other bits, like. Oh yeah. yeah, like we don't oh, need those. Shit can be that could be scrapped. The thing is, they're trying to like, chase the ratings. Like that's the problem with the academy because they keep trying to do like these sort of man on the street like bits. Because Ellen had her whole really successful hosting gig where she did kind of some of those selfie. bits, and like she had her real her selfie that went viral and uh, was like the most tweeted uh, about thing for about and for like five years. Yeah, and um. The, the Academy wants that. They want to recreate that and they want to get the ratings back because as um, you might know, the ratings have been dropping steadily, even drastically yeah. for the past few years. And but their problem is that they don't recognize like why her selfie was successful mm-hmm. versus like going across the street to a theater. Like, I don't care about the average person on Oscars night. I am there to watch celebrities in their ball gowns and tuxedos. I do not care about the average person. I want to see Brad Pitt eat pizza. Like, they don't understand why the selfie or the pizza bit was successful. And so they're trying to recreate that success without actually, like, recognizing why it was successful. And also the fact that, like, 
the selfie took just way less Hollywood time. Movie. Yeah, because the selfie was like a big spontaneous thing. And yeah, that was what was so fun about time. it. Yeah, we don't we don't need these like See, like the Academy is trying to do two very like, different things is that they're trying to chase those ratings, but they're also trying to cut the things for time. And those two are fundamentally opposed. And you can't have both. You gotta go for one or the other. Um, so just like, you know, make the, the show longer. Appreciate the cinematographers and the editors and people who actually make movies happen and give them that that time in the sun. And um, maybe just like stop trying to cater down to the audience and try to do something that's silly and and that's meant to go viral because it won't work. I, I was min- I was gonna ask you guys because. Like yeah, because, like, catering down to the audience is, like, they're trying to get ratings from, like, mass America, mm-hmm. from people who are not invested in film. Like, like they want the ratings of something like the Super Bowl mm-hmm. without recognizing that film is, as universal as film is, and Oscar night is more niche than the Super Bowl. And do you think that it's even worth it to try and, like, Meaning there can be a balance strike between appreciating film and kind of what that means and that there will be things that Mass America will not know, will not have heard of, will not care about versus catering to them. Like, do you think there's a balance that can be, like, found? Or do you think that the Academy should redirect its efforts to having a night that celebrates film without trying to cater down? The latter. Um, yeah, okay. I agree. You might I agree. know that um, the Oscars started off not televised. It started off as just like a, t- a private dinner gala. And um, it, that was something that was... It was like was... the president sending a letter to Congress. Exactly. It was just something that was solely for the people in the industry. And, you know, now we get to kind of uh, experience that through... Um, what's the word? Vis- not viscerally, but like a... The experience that ourselves through something. I can't remember real the word. Time. Yeah. <laughs> vicariously. That's what it is. Experience that vicariously through the, yes. the TV event. And um, I, I think that we shouldn't try to chase ratings because only people who really are interested in this will be watching it anyways. And like their ap- attempts to appeal to the mass audiences will just fall on deaf ears. Agreed. And the thing is that, like, there are ways to maybe bring in some higher... Like, they talk about, like, that's why part of the best popular film thing was, like, nominating movies that Mass America has seen. Mm -hmm. Except don't do that, because that is an insult to those movies. And also, just recognize that some blockbusters are genuinely good enough to be nominated for Best Picture, like Black Panther. Let's not forget that in the 70s, movies like Jaws were nominated for Best Picture. Like a populist... Yeah, block, blockbusters meant, meant Oscar awards back then. Yeah. And I, I think the fact that... I do think that there is, you know, um, an argument made about, like, the, like, elitism and exclusionary nature of the Oscars. Mm. I don't think that these, like, oscar baby films, that means, like, they're not worthy because some of them are very good and deserve their nominations. But there are also blockbusters that are just as good. Yep. And... I think the Academy just needs to kind of honestly just get its own head out of its ass and start being more open and kind of recognizing the fact that film is not such a limited medium to what can be recognized. 
Um, but not doing it for the ratings, doing it because these films are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way to end our discussion about the Oscars, Anya. So um, before we wrap up the episode and you guys want to talk to us about the Oscars, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Right. Willoughby, why don't you start us off? What do you really like this week? I got a subscription to DCUniverse.com, which is DC's streaming service, which gives you almost everything DC's ever put out in terms of comic books, movies, television, original series, everything that you could have asked for. Well, I'm sorry you have access to their movies, but... Sorry? I'm sorry you have access to their movies. Except for a choice few. Like the first two Superman and Batman movies. <laughs> and Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman Batman isn't there. Oh, the D- well. The DCEU movies aren't there. It's like oh. the ones from the 80s and 90s are there. Okay, um, okay. And I take my That's what I mean by almost. Like none of the new stuff is there. But okay. they've got a new Young Justice TV uh, season out. But what I want to focus on is Batman the Animated Series remastered in high definition. Mm. I thought you were going to be like, I binged Doom Patrol over the weekend. <laughs> no. Which I've heard good things I am, about, actually. I, I, I do Same. want... Which I also didn't realize, apparently Doom Patrol is a spinoff of Titans. Um, it is. They first appeared in like the fourth episode. I did an article about it because Matt Bomer's in it and he plays a gay superhero in it. And it, they premiered, the Doom Patrol team like first made their appearance in the fourth episode of Titans. Mm. Right. Like I would watch I would watch Doom Patrol just because Brendan Fraser is in it and uh, we need him back in our hearts and minds. No. Okay. So I've been binging Batman the Animated Series from 1992. Um and it's incredible. Uh, I remember watching it as a kid, but not appreciating like the dialogue or the themes or anything. I just, you know, the action was really good. You know, I was a kid, you know, um, and I thought it was in, uh, a really good kids TV show. And that scared the shit out of me with Clayface. And Batman Beyond was sort of like where I I was a little bit older for that. And so I like I, I, I Batman Beyond was always like the series that I watched more of, I guess. Um, but I'm going back and watching all of Batman the Animated Series. And it's just, guys, it's so incredible. It's just so good. Like It really is probably the, the best Batman. It's, it's like the Batman that we, like the platonic ideal Batman that we all like. It really if you is. think about Batman, that's yes. the Batman you should think of. Kevin yes. Conroy. Uh, the OG. Kevin the Conroy. Agreed. He's so good. You know, fun fact. And then Mark um, Hamill's Joker. Fun fact. The, some of the animators who worked on Batman the Animated Series came from Acura, the seminal Japanese anime film. Like, they came from that studio to work on Batman the Animated Series. You know what? I can, I can sort of see that in terms of, like, the art style of Batman. It is definitely based on, like, the Fleischer Studios animation and like old noir but also like you know if you go back and watch like old 90s anime there's a there's like a fluidity to the animation that i believe that that batman also takes inspiration from and recreates like it's not very it's not stilted it's not like this like you know kind of like 
it's not yeah it's very it's a very fluid animation style and very naturalistic and almost rotoscopy and i really appreciate it for all for for i I like have a deeper appreciation now as an adult than i did for as a kid for this tv show i think it's phenomenal and uh the streaming service is only eight dollars a month and i i heartily believe it's worth it to um get that because then you also get like anything else that you're you, you also get like a ton of comic books that you can read on their app that I think is really fantastic. Like it's not just a streaming service. It's also a comic book subscription service. So I think that that's really an interesting development in terms of like uh, these like standalone streaming services. Cause like Marvel has a comic book subscription, but like they're not going to do that with their movies. Cause those yeah, movies. Cause Disney plus is going to go, going to take all those. Yeah. Yeah. Streaming. Um, will be. But yeah, Batman, the animated series, it's still, it's still, it's, it's still a banger. It's so good, and it's the best version of Batman we have. Yes, it is. All right, Anya, what's your really like for this week? All right, so I am a couple weeks late on this, um, but I finally saw Velvet Buzzsaw, and Ooh. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I like Dan Gilroy. I mean, Nightcrawler is great. Um, this movie is, you know, it's not, it's not his best work. Um, and it's not exactly subtle. Um, the themes of capitalism and greed killing the art industry is like not, he does not try and make that nuanced at all. Um, but it feels very pulpy. And I loved its energy as a film. Um, and so I really enjoyed it. I also think Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is get, I'm excited for the day Batman wins an Oscar because he is you say Batman? so talented. What? Did you say Batman? I said Batman. Get your head out of the uh, Batman hole, Willoughby. Yeah, come I'm on. Sorry. Not everything is Batman. Um, Ooh, Jake Gyllenhaal is Batman, though. That would be in rec- Oh, did you guys see that? Uh, it, it'd be a better in the Spider-Man trailer. Oof. Jake Gyllenhaal. Those bangs. <laughs> I, but, but I do. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. His performance in Velvet Buzzsaw is very good. He really inhabits the character. Um, and I just love watching him as an actor. He's so dynamic. Um, and so I'm excited to see him win an Oscar one day. But watching this movie also made me realize, um, and I thought of you so much, HT, is that I am so glad that you and I have braved our fears and gotten into horror. Because, like, you know, Velvet Buzzsaw was great and had horror elements. But, like, there are so many good horror movies coming out. You know, I just saw Happy Death Day to You, and then we have Us, and we have Ma, and we have Pet Cemetery, and I'm like, a couple years ago, I would never have seen these movies, and now I'm excited for them, and I'm like, a whole new world of movies have opened up to it us. It honestly has. The genre that we've been, like, closing ourselves off to, there's so much potential, and there's so many great movies there. I feel like, yeah, yeah. the whole world. I still have some issues with the genre, and there are still some movies I will never watch, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but... I'm I'm glad that I've gotten over kind of my my own internalized fears and anxieties and I can now, you know, see the movies that we have. And I think, you know, it, it's a time of horror where it is kind of expanding as a genre yeah. and we get to see these new things. So I, I enjoyed Velvet Buzzsaw and I am looking forward to what else kind of the horror genre has in store for us. I need to check out Velvet Buzzsaw. I still haven't seen it yet. And I love now that um, Jake Gyllenhaal is fully into his character actor, like, niche. I'm so, so excited for that. Because, like, the he weirder his voice get, the better he is. Just his body language in Velvet Buzzsaw is so good. Mm. It's 
it's wonderful. Also, his character's name is Morph, and I think that just tells you everything. That's great. I mean, I love Nightcrawler, so I'm eager to see Velvet Buzzsaw at some point yeah. when I have time. Yeah. Um, so my really like this week is another old movie that I saw in theaters, and this is uh, Rebecca, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. So um, this is a film that I saw, I think, back in college, and it's based on one of my favorite books, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. And so I had high expectations for it, uh, going in to see it with Hitchcock at the helm. And I remember liking it quite a bit, and uh, despite like the, some of the changes he made and like the, the changes to the ending because of the Hayes Code, um, but it, it really holds up. And watching it again actually made me realize that this film, the story was actually a template for Gone Girl in a lot of ways. And that was really fascinating yes, to me. Yes, to like, that's to a good realize. observation. Yeah, because it's... I feel like I remember people talking about that when Gone Girl came out. Really? Probably. But it was very minimal. Like The discussion was minimal. Probably because a, a lot of people haven't seen Rebecca. But it made me realize it a lot more upon rewatch. And uh, seeing on the big screen, it was great. I saw it at Metrograph. And um, yeah, especially because Rebecca and Gone Girl both revolve around these self-possessed women who have to mold themselves to societal like ideals um, and are kind of warped and crushed by these patriarchal values into becoming like these horrible monsters of society's own making um, and it's kind of funny too because like Rebecca was very much of the time and like the worst thing she did was like be an adulteress and like kind of a mean person but you can kind of see like those those parallels too in Gone Girl and how like they kind of what took that concept and ran with it and turned her an actual psychopath um but I, I really like that I, I thought that was really fascinating to um to to uh recognize this time around and yeah Rebecca still holds up it's very good great movie I'm I'm so glad you got to see it like that mm-hmm. that's awesome All right. Well, that is our episode for the week. If you guys have any thoughts you want to come share with us about the Oscars or movies you've seen recently, like Velvet Buzzsaw or Becca, or revisiting old favorites like Batman the Animated Series, come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is Millennial Falcon Podcast wordpress.com you can listen rate review and subscribe to us on itunes google play and soundcloud and where can they find you guys on the internet you can find me at htranbui on twitter you can find me at anya crittenton on twitter and you can find me at batman i mean at willoughby dots on twitter <laughs> all right thanks for joining us guys bye, bye. bye. bye.